You're listening to the best morning routine ever podcast, the show that proves no one stumbles upon success ever. With your host, Lou Need. Every Mondays and Thursdays, we deliver cold heart evidence behind the power of a robust morning routine. Get ready to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Hello, morning enthusiasts. Welcome to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lunid. And today, you know, it's a privilege. It's an honor to be here. But I have a phenomenal guest with me today, Jenny Wolt. Jenny's entrepreneurial path is illuminated by faith. Now, it's reflecting 30 years of creative ingenuity and marketing expertise. Her book, The Quiet Place, weaves her faith journey through a guided uh, photographic tour of Israel. And we can't wait to hear all about that trip and that journey, given what's happening here in today's um, media as well. So this is very timing um, to have her on the show. So I would love to bring on Jenny. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. Yes, it's an it's an honor to have you on. Now I know you took that great trip to Israel a while back. Um, tell us about your, I guess your why. Right, you have the book, you've written the book, and your path is is directed by faith, but also you're using photography and that that journey that you underwent. What was the calling that kind of gave you that clarity where where to move? Well, I started writing the book pretty much for my kids as the mm-hmm. Christmas present. When they were little, I'd get up in the mornings, I'd get up very early, and I would write little notes to them every morning. They each had their own little notebook, and I would leave them a scripture for the day and just an encouragement for whatever I knew they were dealing with that day. So one day, one of my kids said, "Who are they're all grown, gone. <laughs> you know, I miss my morning little touches from you. And so that got me thinking and I was like, all right, well, I'll write a prayer journal and I'll write a book for them that kind of continuing that thing that we started when they were kids. So the first issue of it, I, uh, and I've been a photographer since I was in high school. And so I illustrated it basically with family photos. Okay. And then I have, when they were so excited about the book and then I was just like, became really passionate about wanting to do it and illustrate it with pictures of Israel where Jesus mm-hmm. walked so that while you're praying, you can actually imagine where he was and where he lived and all the great people that we read about in the Bible. Um, So it was uh, 2020 at that time, so it couldn't go. (laughs) So as soon as the world opened back up and it was, you know, I was able to travel there, I went in March of this year, which I am just incredibly blessed that I got to do that and took my my camera along and my husband and we did a 10 day whirlwind tour all over the Holy Lands and we went to Jordan and just spent the time taking pictures and learning about the area and really fell in love with the people there. And it's just been neat to be able to put it all together. Yeah, that's phenomenal. My pastor actually just got back from Israel and he was talking about the just how breathtaking it is just to visit the tomb and it's empty. Like he showed us videos of that um, during that Sunday yeah. service and having to be around the people there, how they have different, um, the Jews have different uh, um, cemeteries, like specifically only Jews can be buried in that. So walk us through what your experience was um, earlier this year when you went, what, what were some of the things that came up for you? 
Well, we went inside the walls of Jerusalem and walking around, I was uh, surprised by the number of military that were there, not in a military role, but these are young people that every all the young people in Israel are required to serve for two years, male and female. Oh, cool. So these are 18, 19, 20-year-old kids, but they are also part of that, required to learn about the history of Israel so they know what they're defending. Mm. And so they're at the Wailing Wall. They're putting prayers in the walls. They're doing the same touristy things that I was doing and reading, you know, the plaques that are there and listening to the people talk and have tour guides. And now knowing what's going on and that they they are now having to protect their land, it, it's heartbreaking to me because they were so young, but also how amazing that they know what their what heritage they are protecting. And so that was one of the things that in hindsight and considering where we are today really just has moved me. And, you know, I'm praying for them all because yeah. <laughs> we actually stopped and talked to a lot of them because I just was so interested in why they were there and what they were learning. And, you know, so that was a neat thing. Um, loved going to Petra, which is in Jordan. That is an um, amazing place to visit. It was, uh, we had a torrential downpour, so we were soaked from head to toe, but actually getting to see these amazing sculptures in the mountains um, wet, it just brought out the drama of these pieces that were created. Um, And also because it was flooded, we got to go inside of those structures and no one had been allowed inside in 10 years. Hmm. So that was neat. Although we were wet (laughs) and we had to back, it was really neat to be able to go inside and look at it from the inside and see out. So that was a really neat thing. And you can't help but get emotional while you're standing on the side of the Jordan where Jesus was baptized or getting to see where he was born or where he was crucified. And one thing that just amazed me is in the area where he was crucified, they've created a clear wall so you can see the rock that his cross was put into and it split after he died. And that that split is there and you can see that and those that split's mentioned in scriptures. What? So it's those kind of things bringing things to life that you've read about. I also had no idea that Armageddon is a place. And (laughs) so the battle of Armageddon is going to take place in this beautiful valley. I mean, it is gorgeous. And it's just like horrific to imagine that this awful battle is going to occur there. And that, so just putting those things together from what you read in the scriptures to physically seeing them was an amazing journey for me. Yeah, just the the reality of it all and actually being there and having the opportunity to go. Um, this was this was a very recent trip for you and a lot has come out of that. It still is you're reliving the residual impact and effect of it. Yeah. Well, we made some really great friends and in fact they became like family and we kept communicating with them. And now when everything's going on, they're texting me about every other day just so I know they're okay. okay <laughs> um, nice. You know, so that that's been fun, but also scary for them. And I keep telling them, you can leave without a visa now, so come. <laughs> you know, it's just I just worry about their safety, but uh, anyways, it was, it was very, I was very blessed. We both were to get to go do that. So Yeah. yeah it sounds like it was a powerful and amazing trip. And now let's, you know, push back what, six, seven months later, and then the war that's happening now. Tell us about how that impacts just the journey and you having been there when there, it wasn't happening and with the present. Well, now seeing the images coming out in places that we've visited have now been, you know, bombed um, and they're just demolished. 
is just makes me incredibly sad. The walls of Jerusalem have stood (laughs) through many, many attacks. And that's one thing that you'll see when you're standing outside the walls is the bullet holes and the, the shells that have hit these walls and they've continued to stand and they are still standing, even though some they've had some sustained some damage through this. So I just think about the architecture and the people, you know, in the biblical days when they were building these things, how much better they are than us, because you see the modern day buildings, those things are falling down. Those walls yeah. of Jerusalem, they are standing. So that, that's that been interesting to, to watch. Yeah, the, the difference is being defaced just um, with, uh, with what's going on. Um, now, I understand the book is, it's a gratitude, it's a prayer. It's a book of prayer along with the pictures to kind of show the, the reality of, you know, where Christ was, where he walked, was born and all. Right. So the uh, book is a little bit of a biography, um, me sharing my own walk with Christ and the way that he's worked in my life and the power of prayer, using myself as an example of things that I've been through. Um, None of us come out the other side unscathed, right? We've (laughs) We've all walked a journey, but just showing how where God has intervened in my own life to share that as hopefully an inspiration for others to draw God in and also walk that type of a journey with prayer. And so this book um, is for the prayer warrior who's been praying and understands the power of that for their whole life. And then also gives instructions to those that maybe haven't had a real deep prayer life before and maybe gives them some ideas. I know I talked to baby Christians that really don't, they don't grasp how to talk to God. They think it's, there's some mystery involved around it. So it's kind of removing that mystery and giving them freedom to just talk to God like he's their friend. And so that's kind of what I hope, you know, I'm, you people are able to do with the book. So there's lines for them to, there's prompts and lines for you to write uh, your prayer request mm-hmm. and you know, all of us will run across instances where we have a friend that's hurting and we say, oh, I'll pray for you. And then we maybe we forget or, you know, it's not front of mind. So this is a place to write those two, which helps us keep those in front of mind. So we do make good on our promise to them and, yeah. you know, and give them comfort and support. Yeah, I know they say prayer is you talking to God and then meditation and journaling is hearing what God is saying to you. So let's talk about 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 how journaling is so important because you do have that embedded in the book, the piece that people can scribe. Um, Let's talk about why is that so important? Well, I think that writing down your thoughts and the way God's working in your life are important because it gives you a chance also to go back later and go, wow, while I was going through that really difficult time, I can see where God answered those prayers or, or where I was blessed, even though it didn't feel like it maybe at the time, but it turned into something better later on. And I think those kind of remembering those things reminds us of, um, you know, that God does intervene in our lives and it strengthens our faith uh, when we can see that and go back and see him working. Um, when sometimes it doesn't feel like it, we feel like we're alone. And, uh, you know, and those are the times that we can say, oh, he was carrying me during those times, you know, I just didn't yeah. realize it. And that's where the the, the faith faith aspect of it comes in, you know, because um, sometimes there's a, there's a saying, there's a word that, you know, God forgive my, um, my mustard seed faith. Right. So there's, there's <laughs> that need to be faithful when you don't see it working, knowing that it, it is working all for your good. It is working on your behalf. It's just sometimes it, 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 we lose that. It, it's, it's hard to, to hold on to that. 
Yeah. There's even a picture of mustard in, in Jerusalem. I mean, in Bethlehem, there's a picture from Bethlehem of mustard seeds in, in the book. <laughs> yeah. For that exact. Yeah. How do you, how does one hold on to, to that mustard seed uh, of faith when they don't see, when their reality tells them otherwise? I think, for, I don't want to say forcing yourself, but just making it a habit, continuing to talk to God, trusting that he is working in your life. And, you know, I, I have the benefit that I was raised in a Christian home. Um, my parents were Southern Baptist missionaries. So I was always in church if the door was open. I don't know another way of life than constantly mm-hmm. talking to God. And so sometimes that's hard for me to relate to because I've always had that presence in my life and it's always been very important in 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 my life. I wasn't one of those rebellious teens either. I was very unexciting, Um, but I think it's just, you know, creating a habit. So anything, you know, if you just keep doing it and you're like, I just having faith that it's going to make a difference and keep moving forward. I think that's the the best way to go about that. Just Mm -hmm. trusting. Yeah. And asking God to hope and trust. I think, you know, he can give you, you know, that little, uh, yeah, I'll ask often to just be able to hear the still small voice, hear the Holy Spirit, to know that he's there and he's working. So The still quiet voice. It won't shout at you, but if you've got to make yourself yeah. silent in a quiet place, you got to find that quiet place and, and honor that quiet space to hear the still quiet voice. And a lot of us, um, we do this with meditation in the morning, with putting God first in the morning. Let's talk about, um, I want to talk about your morning routine. Um, just walk us through how do you get up, dress up and show up and what what's your morning routine like? Well, I'm an early bird. Um, I don't need to set any alarms. I'm up probably about three or four o'clock in the morning. Um, and then the very first thing I do is I go on in and make a cup of coffee. And then I do my morning devotional. Every other day, I then hit the gym. Um, Then, you know, before that, I'll usually check all my emails. I have several businesses, so I check in with all those, make sure that, you know, nothing catastrophe happened, Um, (laughs) no catastrophe the night before. And, you know, after I get back from the gym, I always, you know, get dressed. I work remotely most of the time. I do have offices, but I'm usually remote. I get up, I get dressed professionally for my day because you never know what calls you're going to be on, who you'll be talking to, what you need to go see. Um, I do make my bed every morning too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do have to wait till my husband gets out of it and then I go make it. Um, you know, and then I pretty much hit the day running. I have to remind myself to get up and you know, get outside a little bit, breathe, take a few minutes. Um, otherwise, I will sit behind the desk uh, for, you know, it'll be seven o'clock at night. And my family's like, are you going to leave? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of my day, but it's pretty regimented. And it's funny, Elon Musk once said um, that he thought he was an early bird. And then he realized the bird still got up earlier than him. So he had to get up earlier still. <laughs> and I figure at 3 a.m., Good. Me and the birds. I'm probably up earlier than they are, but uh, you're up at three a.m. That's yeah, pretty much. I and like I said, I don't set an alarm. I don't want to be up at three a.m., but <laughs> that's when I'm up. So yeah. So you're 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 cashing in early too. So if you're leaving the office about seven, you're looking for bed at nine, ten o'clock. Uh, yeah, I usually try and hang out till ten for you know to be sociable and yeah. hang out. <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. do my, with, with life, family, everyone else, <laughs> dinner. Yeah. 
you can probably find me pretty much waning off though about 9 30 i'm like okay is it legal yet can i go to bed now <laughs> not <laughs> exactly a party animal yeah, you're like probably one of the earliest I've heard. I get up uh, sometimes at three o'clock, not every day, but sometimes I am up earlier and get, I, that's when the juices are flowing. I'm like fresh. I'm really fresh and I can really do the deep work. I can, I can write books. I can do anything in those hours and it doesn't take much effort. <laughs> and we capitalize on that. Yes. There's limited distractions. So yeah. that's when I wrote my the movie that we're currently in production on hope on a future. I actually woke up at 1am that day and the, the story had been churning around in my mind for about a year. I got up at one and by, you know, 7am or so I had 60 pages of the movie written. So because you're just able to just, there's no distractions, it's quiet and you can just pour all of it out and get it done without having to stop. So I love yeah. that. Yeah. It's a very, very um, powerful time in the morning to get a lot of the heavy lifting done without having to, you know, put so much effort into it. Now, I know the movie is you're producing it. You wrote the script. So tell us about that. How did that come around? You said you've been toying with the idea for a while and, and now it's coming to fruition. Yeah, the movie is called Hope in a Future, and it's based off my favorite scripture, which is Jeremiah 29.11. I wrote the movie actually for my daughter. Uh, my daughter is a pop artist. And during 2020, she had a big tour planned, and that came crashing down. And so we were looking for other avenues for her to express herself creatively and keep her going. And she was in a movie called So You Call Yourself a Christian, and You Call Yourself a Christian. And she just really did great. She ended up being a real, um, she was a major character in the movie. And I just loved, you know, the character she played. I loved seeing her in that role. And I just thought, began thinking about, you know, what else could we have her in, in, you know, an acting capacity. And this idea just started formulating. And then, like I said, it, I chewed around on it for about a year. And then I sat down and wrote about 60 pages of it. And I shared the story with a few people and people are just, you know, seemed to really like it. So then I wrote with a script writer and we finished writing it, uh, sending it around to a couple directors and it, they were really excited to work on it. And so I'm working with a guy, uh, Ricky Bruchel, in there in Nashville. And we've created the sizzle reel for it. Um, it's up on our websites. And we are now looking at uh, adding some bigger named actors to the cast. Uh, we have interest from Regal Cinemas. They would like to take it to theaters. Wow. So we're super excited about that, but we just need some bigger names. So I actually have a call today at 2 p.m. with the casting director to get those names in there. So, and then it'll be finding marketing dollars. So we're we're looking to work with the marketing company that did Sound of Freedom uh, because they did an amazing job marketing that movie. So we met them a couple of weeks ago. So excited to move forward on that. But it's been a fun journey, not like anything I've ever done before. Yeah. Um, but it's been fun to watch it unfold. And people are, we had a big event and unveiled the sizzle reel. And people just seem to love it. Um, so see where it goes. So you might see it in theaters. <laughs> it just seems to be seamless. You know, the way you're, you're talking about it is like, yeah, I had a movie and I was with the, with the script. And now I'm talking to directors and cast casting and <laughs> might be in Regal and you might see it in theaters. Like, how? How? 
Well, this is where I just know it has to be a God. Like the story just came so easily and every part of this knock on wood so far has gone so easily and people have just, you know, have come out of the woodwork and, and wanted to be a part of it. Omar Gooding uh, stars in it alongside my daughter. He was excited to work on it. He said, you know, his mom was proud of him for being in a faith-based film. So, you know, one for the moms. And it just has really rolled along really easily so far. So for me, I just see God's hand on it because things don't normally just keep rolling along quite that smoothly. Um, I mean, I just stopped, I stopped writing. Let's see, we finished the script three months ago, I think. And already we've filmed about 30% of the movie. So, and, and it looks amazing. So we're excited. When it, when it does roll seamlessly, we welcome it. We say, yes, more of that, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. And then he's talking to God. Okay, what, what, what are we doing next? You know, just making sure I'm on his pathway and going the direction he wants me to go. So it's been fun and exciting. What's the next best step? But you have to be attuned. You have to be listening in um, to hear that. So I'm really, really excited. So uh, when do you think, do you forecast that it will be coming out so that we can be on the lookout? I'm hoping it should be out second or third quarter of 2024, I would think at the latest. So we'll probably start filming the rest of it, I would guess, most likely in January right now. We're, uh, we've done some interviews with the cast on why the movie seems important to them, uh, the director as well. And we're adding that all together to the reel and then we'll be sending it out to investors. Uh, we'll be giving them a little bit of time to get on board if that doesn't go real smoothly. I will be self-funding the rest of the production of the movie, and then we'll be pitching it as a complete project. But that's yeah, nice. So that's the process. That's how it works. You still need to. So after you have um, an almost finished product, then you reach out to investors to do the, to help with the marketing aspect of it, getting it in theaters, getting it in front of the people, ads and all that. Right. Uh, in our case, the marketing budget will be far l- larger than the movie budget was just because it costs a lot to take a movie into the theaters. So we're looking at, you know, about $5 million in order to properly market a movie to take it to theaters. So, and we'll produce the entire for a mo- about a, a million. So. Oh yeah. Difference. Yeah. That is big. That is huge. And you, it, you're expecting the profit to cover all that cost, right? From um, uh, I would have, well, if we get anywhere to what sound of freedom did, I believe sound of freedom right now is around 150 million that they've brought in. Um, their marketing budget was five million, and I believe it cost fifteen million to make Sound of Freedom. But don't quote me on that; I'm not 100 percent sure. But they're—I mean, obviously they've—they returned 120 percent investment to their investors, like after opening weekend. So it it has done phenomenally well. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't know that's how a, the movie business worked. It's almost just like um, pitching a business and then getting it. It's a faster return with the with the movie yeah. than uh, than a startup and a business, but it's very similar in that yeah. way of getting investment. Yeah, and in Sound of Freedom's case, they sold the movie and then it sat on, I believe, Disney's shelves for five years, and then the producer took it back and said, "I'm going to do this myself." And so his return on investment didn't happen very quickly, but once it did happen, it it happened great. So he's, he's doing good. Yeah. 
That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Um, so tell us about where we can find your book. Where can we connect with you? Give us the social media handles, all of it. Okay. Well, um, for the most part, everything is accessible at JennyHaleWolt.com. From there, you can reach all my socials. Everything's under my name as well, Jenny Hale Wolt, uh, Facebook and Instagram. I don't TikTok. Um, (laughs) (laughs) My daughter keeps trying to get me to do that. I have not adventured there yet. And I'm also on LinkedIn under that name as well. Um, But from my website, you can access information on my book and purchasing it. It is available wherever books are sold. Um, I believe it is actually physically in some stores as well. And it, you can also access information about the movie. So you can follow our journey there because that'll be continuing to be updated as things change on the movie. Very nice. Jenny, it's been such a pleasure having you on and sharing. Thank you for coming. Oh, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. I love talking about the Lord and all these exciting things. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Before you leave, um, give us your favorite quote or Bible verse. And that would be Jeremiah 2911. And that speaks to, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So I that is it. what I hang out. <laughs> <laughs> it's been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And that is my favorite as well. Um, I would read that mm-hmm. daily. So <laughs> it resonates. That's why I say I receive it because it is speaking to my heart. <laughs> Yes, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing, Jenny. It's been such a joy having you on. Thank you. Well, all right, morning enthusiasts, that's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. If you love the best morning routine ever podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or Google Play. While you're at it, tell a friend about the show. Be sure to visit bestmorningroutineever.com and our Facebook group to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free bonus content. Until next time.